Hello and welcome back. It's Ruben Uncut. Uh, Ruben here, and uh, I am being enjoyed uh, being joined by I guess maybe semi unofficial uh, sidekick Gato. Hello. My cat's here too. I don't know if she'll say anything. But today, today we got to talk about masculinity, femininity, and you want for. For an extension of that, so we still also sort of got to talk about men and women to a certain extent. And the thing about take the take the veil away right away, and because I keep I've been watching a lot of these videos of debates, people discussing like men and women and masculinity and femininity, and like it's it's interesting, but like it's also it's also frustratingly dumb. And, and here's why. You see, let's, I'm just going to pull away the curtain here and show you everything that's behind it, okay? Because the truth about femininity and masculinity is this. They are merely a reflection of the zeitgeist in how we perceive the behaviors of other people. Literally, our entire concepts of masculinity and femininity are in no way static and in no way stay the, stay the same. They have shifted and, and changed throughout history. Uh, and I'm talking about more than just Scotsmen wearing kilts and Spartans wearing skirts. This also includes things like what crying is and like how different cultures gender different things. It's the fact that there are languages that gender inanimate objects should make you stop and go, wait a minute, what does that mean? At the end of the day, masculine and femininity is just the way it, people behave that we associate with those concepts. We associate, femininity is just hundreds of years ago, somebody's mom was kind of like this. And then other people started to think that that's just what it was that that was femininity, what this woman hundreds of years ago was like. And because things change and people have different moms over different periods of times, slowly what's feminine shifts around. And the same thing for masculinity. It's just hundreds of years ago, somebody's dad was like this. And that's the whole thing. Femininity and masculinity, trying to measure it is like trying to measure like a, a rushing river. You know, like the sediment is constantly moving and changing. It's, there is no consistent concept of these ideas. And that's my opening statement. What are your thoughts, Gatto? <clears throat> it's not a debate. You don't have to, you don't <laughs> have to take the opposite opinion of me and say that they're static. I was just... So, so you, you've had like, ex have you ever had to think about masculinity much? I mean, sometimes, I don't know, I grew up with like a hard ass military dad. And uh, so, you know, his definition of what a man was was like, oh, you gotta be strong and not cry ever. You know, like all the toxic masculinity greatest hits type stuff, just no crying. Uh, you have to like sports. Uh, 
or if you don't like sports, you have to be a classy, well-read intellectual or something. Uh, two options. Yeah, yeah two like options my, for like, uh, that, that's who I took my cues from at first. It was my dad, and we moved around so much. I didn't have a whole lot of other male role models except him, and he was gone doing military stuff all the time, So, and then he'd just come back. <laughs> you know, hey, we're going for a play six mile hike basically I mean he said it was in kilometers but I don't remember exact map <laughs> it's like, I was like but, and I was eight and you like it made me go in the woods and do this hike with him and <laughs> yeah I seem to remember him making fun of me for complaining that my feet hurt and like I think that was his first like I'm gonna make a man out of you thing was making me do this hike <laughs> I mean, I was having a good time before my feet started hurting. (laughs) My dad is such a weird, like, facsimile of a man. I, because, like, my dad has, like, a certain mass, he has, like, a natural masculinity to him. He has, like, there's, like, an underlying, like, like, under, like, he has he spent his teenage years in Maine. So he has like this new England, like alpha male mentality going on, but he's also a giant hippie and that kind of like mellows it out and makes him like kind of a pass, a kind of passive aggressive, you know, a little, (laughs) God makes him a passive aggressive dick sometimes. Uh, But like, he never, he never tried to enforce masculinity onto me. He just naturally had that, like, kind of voice. Would you describe my dad as having, like, you've met my dad. Would you describe him as having, like, I hear people using this term now, golden retriever energy. (laughs) I can see that. You can see that from my dad, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I think that might describe my dad. Your dad's a little smarter than the average golden retriever, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he'd be glad to hear that. Um, But like, if golden retrievers thought really highly of themselves, that's 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 my dad. Um, But my my dad didn't really try to enforce those types of standards onto me, or like, there were like some masculine ideals that he wanted to impart to us. Um, but they weren't, he never phrased them as being part of being a man. Like he was just like, he would just be like, Hey, always trying to convince me to convince us to have like a good work ethic. Although later in life, I realized he wanted us to have a good work ethic so that we would do more shit and he could just be lazy. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, but he never said like, the work ethic or the the working hard what and whatnot he never said that those things were part of being a man even like the most toxically masculine thing my dad ever did to me which was uh which is he went through like my dad's been through like a different periods and like phases in his life and when i was very young he he tried to impart that like hey you only cry if people die if, if someone's dead and like he never made that, he never said that was a, a boy thing or a girl thing. He just like gave that general, he just gave that general statement. Later in life, he was like, no, crime's good. Uh, 
which I'm glad because a lot of people don't seem to understand that crying is like a biological function. Your brain, when you, when you cry, your brain is literally trying to like flesh out stress hormones. It's, it's, it's good for you. It helps you recover from emotional struggles faster. That's the point of crying. So that you can have a period after you've had your mental breakdown where you're ready to function again. Have you ever had that where you have a, a really big cry and then suddenly, even though nothing has changed, you feel like you can keep going? Uh, I mean, I haven't, like, I was conditioned not to cry at all. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Life. So I haven't, the last time I remember crying was when I had to go death during an acid trip at one time. Like that. <laughs> that was shit 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't that, know. I, I, I also am a, a, have major depressive disorder. So it might be I just have a... a yeah, you were... You, oh, my God. That means that means your body went, went for most of large portions of your life with not, like, having a way to, to flush out, essentially, stress hormones from your body. Yeah, which is probably why I was such a fucking flamethrower between the ages of, like, 20 to about 28 <laughs> just constantly stressed out just yeah and usually that would manifest in me getting angry and like i would never and usually i wouldn't like try to get physical with people i would just like say mean stuff to them like really get like digging there and i think it's because the way my parents disciplined me when i did something wrong is they were like yell at me <laughs> like do like dressing down military shit yeah that's that's how i was disciplined so that's also probably why i'm not very good at maintaining eye contact with people because in my head it's like yeah you're gonna yell at me and it's also interesting that i got really into punk and hardcore if that's the case like i don't know Maybe I felt like I was the punk and hardcore guy, and that was me. And I could live vicariously through them. It was like, this is me screaming back. And then I started doing that, my own music. Um, it's probably why I gigged so much back in the day. Like, holy shit, I played. I mean, mostly open mics, but fuck, dude, I was playing at least twice a week. Just screaming my head off, probably sounding like absolute shit because I'm wasted. Because <laughs> it's another problem that I wasn't addressing. But yeah, I don't. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Like, it, it, I I want that kind of catharsis, but like, yeah, the way that I would get that is just like getting really angry, saying something rash, or I, I would break shit sometimes too. Mainly when I was way younger, though, like seventeen to about nineteen. That's when I would break shit when I was mad. I, I find, no, I, I hear you, man. Like, I probably cry more than the average man, I would guess, mainly because, like, <laughs> mainly because at some point in my life, I understood that it was healthy to cry. Uh, but, like, there is still, like, I don't know. Like, sometimes, sometimes I find it hard to find catharsis in life. And, like, I, I typically only cry at the end of like an excessive amount of stress where I've like had, I'm having some type of mental breakdown. However, I have found out that I get myself to, to cry a little bit by, uh, 
I've taken psychedelics. I'm watching superhero movies. <laughs> Not all superhero movies. Just the ones with like some of the really heavy shit in them. Like, uh, you ever seen the movie Logan? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I saw that one. I saw that one twice in theaters. And the second time I watched it, like, and this is a spoiler for Logan, which you should totally see. Uh, so skip ahead if you don't want a spoiler, I guess. But the thing, <laughs> the scene where he's like, the scene where Logan is burying Professor X. Yeah. Oh my God. The second time I watched that was just that like, that like hit me like real, real hard. Like, holy shit. They spent all their lives having these adventures and like, this is where Professor X's journey ends. Oh my God. That's that's intense. And and like and Logan, who just keeps on living, ha- has to basically be here and like bury the last of his living friends. Oh man, what a what a what a fucking heavy moment. Oh, I teared up a little bit. Watching it the second time, I was like, God damn. I just felt really hot for Wolverine, Professor X. I've also teared up at some of the uh, World War One stuff and Wonder Woman. That's the, I like, Wonder Woman does not pull punches about war, which, which is surprising. And also maybe one of the things that makes it so exceptionally tonally different from the sequel which I didn't hate, but like the tonal difference between them is like, what? Why? Who thought this much of a tonal shift would be a good idea? It's a, it's, it's a lot. But I've gotten off topic. The tr- I mean, the truth about the matter is, is that everyone has masculine and feminine traits in them. There isn't like this, there is, there is no like, this person is 100% masculine and this person is 100% feminine. And even if you believe that that was something that was technically possible, it would still be something that would get fucked up. These things, like I said before, just like constantly change. Like, remember when gentlemen were the thing? Like, way back in the time period where men wore corsets and and uh and high heels and every fight was done with guns at 10 paces or something (laughs) i will not beat you with my hands hand me my gun (laughs) i'm willing to fight you with a sword ah i see you are an educated man i too will fight you with a sword Like, it's just, oh man, it's, it's just, we've gotten really hung up on this masculine and feminine thing in our society right now. And we, and we everyone just needs to take a deep breath, in my opinion. Have you seen all this, all this alpha male content, Gato? Yeah. That shit is fucking wild. Yeah, some of it is like really funny, but in a scary way. Yeah, it's yeah, like no. Andrew Tate is hilarious as a part, like just because the fact that he exists, like how, and nobody's like just beat the fuck out of him yet. But but like then you realize he has like so much reach, and so many people look at him. It's like this is what a man should be, and they're all like very 
scared little little guys. That's terrifying. Like somebody might go militant for that there if they put her own prison again. Dude, people are freaking out about him. Like the thing about the thing about Andrew Tate is that like he what okay, kids, if you're a fan of Andrew Tate, I have to tell you the here's the cold hard truth about Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate isn't selling you how to be a man, he's selling you how to be a pimp. Okay. Yeah, that, that's basically what it is. <laughs> this, Andrew Tate's techniques for getting women do work, but the reason they work is because they're how to manipulate women, because that's a pimp's job. He is a pimp. He operates, functions, and thinks like a pimp. The way he is telling you how to deal with women is not how you deal with a wife or a partner or any kind of spouse. It's how you deal with a prostitute that is getting out of hand and messing up your business. That's not how you should be treating a significant other. That is the cold hard truth, everyone. He is selling you manipulation. And which is why it's what, like if you understood what he was selling him, you, you would never trust him. Like, I mean, I would trust him just because of the things that come out of his mouth. Like I thought he was doing a bit. At first, I was like, is this like just some weird like TikTok character actor guy? But then I like because I saw some clips of him and everyone when he was like a newer thing, and everybody was just like, Yeah, look at this idiot. No one listens to him though, it's fine. And then he just blew up somehow, mm-hmm. and now people do listen to him. And then the right wing took him in, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's the, that's the other thing is that like there's a weird crossover right now between the right wing and the red pill, which is what the alpha males and whatnot call their call their movement or that some of them do, which is the most intensely ironic thing you could ever possibly have happen. I don't know if you're aware of this, Gatto, but the Matrix, the movie they are referencing by saying red pill, is in fact an allegory for the which. The Wachowskis dealing with their with their gender dysphoria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, no, that's like like first of all, the red pill itself is like in the nineties. That's what an estrogen pill looked like. <laughs> and like the whole point of the movies is that Neo and uh, Neo and Trinity are actually like two halves to the same person, like like metaphorically. Oh yeah, that's why they dress the same. Kind of, yeah. They have the same like hair, sort of. They are the phys- they're, they're both the physical and masculine traits of this one, essentially virtual Jesus. So, so then, dumbasses who take everything literally, like whoa, the Matrix. It's just like how women oppress men. Like, nope. Do, do you think women are oppressing men, Gatto? Nah. Yeah. No, I don't see it. I, there's just... Hey, a lot of those guys, like, they're just dumb. And it's like, if you look at their arguments, like, you're not really mad at women. You're just mad at what is expected of you <laughs> in social, but from social norms, from a human's overly complicated mating rituals. That's what you're angry at. You're not mad at women. 
Dude, just admit you're an introvert and you're scared of being rejected because that will not feel good. And then move on. None of this, ah, women are dumb skanks and you gotta be very forward with them and be a dick and everyone will love you. You'll get a million dollars. But they can't, but but that but men can't admit, a lot of men can't admit that to themselves that they're yeah. scared introverts because introversion and this is an incredibly unhealthy concept but introversion itself is like considered feminine and like there's no reason for that like stoic philosophy is about being an introvert and, it's, and that <laughs> and that's considered masculine but like if you use the word introvert people it the association is more feminine and that's bullshit and unhealthy. Yeah. Like all the, like, but the idea, because masculine people are meant to be, an alpha males are meant to be at least somewhat social because the concept of an alpha is that they're a leader. So they have to have a social strength and there has to be like a level of need for status. Also, have you ever noticed that the things that all these alpha male type people are always pushing to like say to escape the matrix are literally if we're in the matrix the exact things that the system is always trying to manipulate us with money women power status what those things are the matrix bro those things are the things that control us <laughs> and i don't mean like women control us i mean our our need to have sexual relationships is frequently used to control us through uh in society so like it's just weird it's like it's like they've had the wool completely pulled over their eyes mm -hmm. because they've gotten wrapped up in trying too hard to fit into uh, a box because I, maybe some people just feel like they need a box to be in I mean, obviously, neither of us are people who conformed much as youth. Nah. Why do you, Why do you think there is there is such a pressure in a in a in our individualistic society to conform? I don't know. It's probably just over from World War Two or something. You know, like everybody always points out, like, oh, the entire country banded together, even at home during World War Two. It's like, yeah, that could never happen now. <laughs> but because I, because people know actually know how shitty the government is now, <laughs> and uh, but uh, also it's because like I don't know, a lot of people just realize how full of shit, arbitrary and pointless a lot of that kind of stuff is like uh. i mean i mean because i started like rebelling when i was like 12 because <laughs> and i mean so that that's actually that's an interesting thing is that like like our rebel the rebels of our society have changed in a way like these alpha males at least see themselves as rebels but like the reality is is that they're fighting for a status quo that just doesn't exist anymore and and that's the reality of it like like the move of of men doing more effeminate things or like even just challenging gendered things in society like, if you look at, like, 
like punk rock. Like one of the things people would do is that men would wear women's clothing or more feminine garments, or they would, because it was considered shocking to yeah. the to yeah, the conformists. Took, yeah, and they took cues from glam rock on that. Like you know, David Bowie almost like caused some. <laughs> like David Bowie, T Rex, like all like like bands like that. Those they were getting a lot of like, what the fuck? Oh my god! Yeah, David Bowie, Elton John. Back in the day, he was pretty glammy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and like also like. A lot of rock stars, uh, like like David David Bowie, I, I, pretty much pansexual. I think I think nowadays we we recognize David Bowie as being pansexual. Yeah. <laughs> what I read is true. David Bowie and Mick Jagger did sex with each other one time. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, David Bowie. It it it's just funny because David Bowie at at various points came out as as different sex like he he is he is simultaneously he has come out and said i'm straight he has come out and said i'm i'm gay and he's come out and said he's bi it sounds like there weren't a lot of people or things david boy would be opposed to having sex with yeah and then you get to the 80s hairband guys oh, yeah. whom listened to david bowie and t-rex and shit like that and, and uh, just like motley crew got really androgynous with their shit especially the first two records mm-hmm. yep like well, I, I've, I've dabbled with makeup usage in high school for the same reason just because like fuck you don't want to do it yeah no I've painted my nails before yeah I used to paint my nails all like every week not eye makeup to school every day because they started to wake up at 5am and I didn't want to do it yeah <laughs> I was like, fuck it, people get the point without it. But like <laughs> but I would still dabble in that. Um, I mean I stopped like immediately after I graduated high school because I just couldn't be bothered anymore. <laughs> it is a lot of work. I am impressed. Well, actually, you know, I I don't even know I should be impressed or if like this is just one of the ways in which society is like almost like cripplingly dug into uh to women's psyche i'm impressed that so many women do makeup in the morning <laughs> before they go to work like i'm impressed that you do that i work in veterinary medicine so i don't see a whole lot of like full face makeup but yeah yeah some of them i work with mostly women too and like it's yeah only like two or three of them like put on eye makeup or anything <laughs> because mm-hmm. like why would you you're in... <laughs> about to wrestle with dogs all day you don't gotta look pretty you don't want to look put on a full face for that some some people feel compelled some people feel compelled dude fucking did i tell you about the keynote speaker at my uh pinning ceremony that i had to go to for vet tech school when i finished up I do not remember this. No, what what happened? Oh my god, she was alumni of the fucking program, and she was a former Miss Oklahoma winner or something. So she graduated from the vet tech school and then did pageants, and, and like it, her it, her advice was it, like her fucking speech was bullshit. Like the first 
like first act of it however you want to whatever you want to call it was just like hey guys school sucked huh reference that only we understand other reference only we understand reference to teacher that you guessed it that only we understand thereby alienating all of our families that are here right now i didn't have anybody there so i didn't give a fuck i was just i was yeah, I was so high. <laughs> Dude, I got absolutely blazed in the fucking woods before that thing because I knew it was going to suck. But, <laughs> oh my God. But it was, yeah. And then she moved on to like advice for this profession. And her advice was be not basically can be boiled down to be nice to everybody and look pretty. The most sizable chunk of her, the section of her speech that was supposed to inspire us as newly accredited veterinary professionals was make sure you look nice, guys. What? What? See, including you three, me, three the only three men in the program. Yeah, and, and she, yeah, she just said like, if, if you're like, you have to look your best if you want a client to pay hundreds of dollars for diagnostics and pay aftercare. Like, fucking no, dude. I want to look like I know what I'm talking about. I don't like. Why the fuck do you gotta look pretty to do that? Was this woman in any way connected to veterinary science? Yeah, she was an alumni of the program. But she was also a pageant person? Yeah, but she was also Miss Oklahoma or Miss Tulsa. I forget which one. And it wasn't even what? recent. It was like five years ago by that point. It seemed... That must be the type of mentality that pageant people have, man. Yeah, and it's like she couldn't... Clearly, she couldn't be a stupid person because she finished that program. Like, you can't be dumb and pass that program. Tulsa Community College Vet Tech School is fucking intense, dude. So, like, she should know good things to tell us, but that's all I remember her talking about was just like, make be nice to people. If people are mean to you at work, it's because they're sad. And it's like, oh my god, or they're just fucking ignorant hillbillies that don't fucking listen. You ever think of that? Sometimes people are just dicks. <laughs> Whatever the fuck your name is. It, 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 oh man, yeah, it can be. She talked for 30 minutes, just like look pretty and be nice to people. Yeah, it's like, why the fuck would like it? it and, and like her her mentor at, at the business was also one of just like probably just one of those fucking southern broads that just been putting on makeup since they were five <laughs> they still cake it on there and probably were like bedazzled jeans and fucking rustic cuff bracelets <laughs> like just one of those fucking like upper middle class southern ladies and, and that's who she's taking cues from like oh i need to put on a full face of makeup to go get slobbered on by dogs that may be clawed up and covered in hair yeah i need to look pretty while i'm doing this job like no fuck you what kind of advice is this were there was there no one else we couldn't have like aren't there people on veterinary faculty at oklahoma state who graduated this program you know oklahoma state like best vet school in this region <laughs> can't we can't get can't get someone from there no we got like miss look pretty and be nice that's that's their big like i was so pissed <laughs> And I was even more pissed off because, like, 
Dude, like most of the people in this program are women between the ages of 19 and 45, and your advice to them is just look hot. Like, fuck off, man. <laughs> like, I'm not even a woman, and I'm annoyed <laughs> by the fucking contest. That's that's some serious trad con energy right there. I mean, it was Oklahoma. <laughs> fair, fair. A lot of fair amount of people in that program were hard ass country broads, probably didn't take kindly to that either. Like, I know my buddy Abby was <laughs> fuming the entire time that was going on. So I heard her whisper, shut the fuck up to herself. <laughs> I was like, oh, Abby's mad. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so glad I shut up high to that. If I was sober, I'd have been just, <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> I mean, see, like, that's. So that's the kind of thing that I don't think, like, it, it's very apparent to me that men don't put a lot of thought into thinking about women. And I don't, I mean, like, men think about women all the time, but I mean, like, trying to, trying to understand women. Because, like, I think the first thing you have to understand to understand women is that there's human beings and human beings are pretty hard to understand whether they're men or women or doctors or introverts or extroverts all our communication is flawed and we're all just trying our best so i really think that we're getting our society is getting real hung up on it right now and and they really our society needs to just really be like just let it go People are going to be the way they're going to be. I was going somewhere with this, but I forgot what I was going with it. Something about like the the lady in your the lady in your story, like some point, something in her life must have made her really feel like to be a woman, she needed to be beautiful and that she needed to convey a very specific feminine energy. And that that was somehow the key to would be her key to success. I've met a lot of women who just like feel more confident when they have makeup on. And that's why, and that's part of the reason they do it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a correlation between men paying more attention to women with makeup on. Probably. Um, Or if it's more of just like, or if it's more of a, uh, what's the word? Um, I want to say psilocybin, but that's not the right word. <laughs> um, ah, shit. What is it? When you have, uh, when there's, when when it's when it's meta, it placebo. If it's a, if it's like a placebo thing, like, like when I'm working out at the gym, I feel better about my body if I'm watching myself work out in the mirror. And I understand that there isn't actually a real difference between my body then other than the fact that I'm exerting it and when I'm not working out in the mirror. It's just me tricking my brain into like feeling better about myself. <laughs> so like, I wonder what it is. See, I don't know. I exercise. I hate looking at myself in the mirror. I mean, I don't like looking at myself in the mirror but anyway. But <laughs> it's just, I get why people do it. A lot of people do it because it, they can 
if they're fucking around with really big free weights is to make sure their form's good because you fuck yourself up if your form's bad. But yeah, there probably are a lot of people who aren't being honest with themselves and just like really like checking themselves out in the mirror. <laughs> it is, but it is with more. I I do only do it with uh specifically like weights that go on my arms. Yeah. I don't know why it's that. Like when I work on a machine, it, it's like I don't need a mirror for this. This is that would be a waste of my time. Um. But yeah, no, like there is. I got into working out like as a take my mind off of booze thing when I first quit. And I got pretty cut up before uh, COVID happened. Nice. <laughs> so I don't know. But now the thought of lifting weights, just like, oh my God, it's so boring though. And you got to deal with all the people who take selfies all the time and people who think of the work that a bench for a machine is a fucking chair and just sit there and dick around on their phone forever. <laughs> I go to Planet Fitness, and I have not seen anyone taking selfies there. That, I mean, a lot of them do them in like the locker room, like in the mirror. Oh, so that way they can... I don't spend a lot of time in the locker rooms. So maybe that's why I don't see it. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, the gym I went to in Tulsa was like it was just like your average folks kind of gym. So the clientele ran the gamut between like just middle class people, like like a. Uh, uh, type people and then like occasionally like hillbillies who commuted in downtown <laughs> who were working out in jean shorts and a black beater <laughs> and then you get like the real the old people who just go to like get out of the house <laughs> and, oh man yeah locker room's a weird place when you inadvertently show up around the time all the old people want to leave because I saw some things in that locker room. Just like, yeah, old guys just don't give a shit. They're just walking around naked in there having conversations. <laughs> it's, this would be one thing if it was a bunch of hippies or something. But this is like a bunch of like, oh, America, I won't drink blood light no more type guys. <laughs> All naked is the day they were born. <laughs> some of them would have towels around their necks. It's like, probably just wrap it around yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like dude i'm from europe and i don't want to see this. <laughs> you know how many statues i would see just dongs out all the time when i was a kid because i lived in europe <laughs> so many and this is making me a little you know maybe that's what's wrong with america though maybe the lack of dong statues has made america into a country of pussies like, we're just a country that can't handle the idea of society being even mildly sexual. Have you noticed that? People freaking out about it all yeah. over the place. Oh, man. I, like, just, yeah, oh. that's, that's why I always think it's funny that the most pearl-clutchy, like, rich people go to Europe. It's like, I'm following dicks all day because it's going to be most <laughs> So... So I think when we're talking about the gym, it reminded me of another thing that's going on in the, you've heard, have you heard the term manosphere? Yes. <laughs> well, another one of these things that keeps being kicked around the manosphere, which is deeply problematic and bad for society is like their mental health denial. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit. I've seen clips of Manosphere podcasters be like, oh, it's all bullshit, it's all in your head. And then, like, during their, like, circular thought loop of, of them just repeating the same three points, but with different wording, 
they like that stitch of irony prove that like they have some mental issues they need to oh work yeah on. oh yeah and like like so many of these dudes like i just want to be like who the fuck hurt you man yeah because like they're terrified of women and they like they like some of them really hate women yeah i mean i don't know i mean like i don't get it like i there's been plenty i've dated plenty of women that just driven me up the wall <laughs> i got picked like i was small enough in middle school that girls picked on me <laughs> but i've never had a moment where i be like you know what fuck that entire <laughs> entire group portion of the world's populace i don't like any of them yeah no and like there's this element where like so like let's hold on. we have to address the mental illness thing first so all right all right everybody listening this is important mental illness is a real thing and yes exercising is good and helps with mental with mental health i go to the gym frequently however and this is the big thing you have to understand this, that there is a big difference between being depressed and having depression. Anyone can be depressed. Anyone can have a time in their life where it's like, oh, I don't want to live. Like anyone can have that. But having depression means that there's something up with your brain and it's been continuous or non-stop for a period that is excessive. That's, that's probably not the greatest expression of it, but my point is, is that some people have a condition and some people are just feeling down. There's a difference there. And maybe because if you are a person out there, because I feel like in the manosphere, I hear people say this all the time where they're like, yeah, I was, I was feeling, I was depressed, but then like I changed my situation and like I got in better shape and now I'm, and now I'm not depressed anymore. I beat depression. It's like, no, dude, you didn't beat depression. You had situational depression. There was just your life wasn't in order and you felt unhappy. You didn't have depression. You were just in a, your situation just wasn't good. Because there is a difference between those two things also. And the way they, disc they discredit medication and, like, I understand that medication is not perfect. But, like, some people really need their medication. I've met some of those people. They're definitely better off on their medication. So, I know, I've been doing a whole lot better since I finally sucked it up and <laughs> to an actual psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of medication paranoia. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a scary prospect at mm -hmm. first. It's like... <laughs> I mean, I feel I felt that way when I was in college. Um, a, a general practitioner uh, prescribed me to take uh, half a pill of Lexapro once a day, and like I was so nervous about it that like I just never I never used the prescription because I I don't know you get a lot when you're paranoid about it, you get a lot of weird thoughts that makes sense before you're on it. But once you're on it, you were like, oh, I was worried about really stupid shit. Yeah. Uh, before I, I actually got uh, uh, the person who finally convinced me to go to an actual shrink was the T like Tulsa Community College's one counselor <laughs> for students. They only have one. 
Oh boy. So that's why you only get three appointments per year. But, uh, but yeah, in the he's really good though. Uh, he, he like his name's Chad Michael, I think. Like that's his actual name. And he, <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's very good. He he described it like if you get like your problem is right now, you, you probably have ADHD. And since you never considered that before, you've always thought you're just really stupid. So like that, and, and that, and since you would fuck up all the time, it, you you would just go, oh yeah, well I'm dumb then, and then that would make you sad. And it, really, what's happening is you're you're going, your brain goes so fast all the time. Eventually, it just gets tired and it shuts down, and that's why you can't focus. So if you take some medication, like definitely a hefty dose of SSRIs and maybe some maybe some stimulant medication, you will be much better. And then I finally did it, and he was he was right. I just needed to slow my brain down, but mm-hmm. it also speed it up a little bit. Yeah, like a common a common thought, a common fear of people when they when going into talking about uh, mental illness, the common fear is that that they'll be misdiagnosed, which which ha- which in fairness is a thing that happens. People do get misdiagnosed, not even just in psychology, but like me- in any type of medical field. It, with any type of like medical situation until like, until a surgeon knows, until like you're doing surgery almost, some of it is there's always the possibility you've had some there you've had misdiagnosis of some kind. That's just an unavoidable thing. You can never completely reduce that risk to zero. It's like fly, It's like taking a. It's like flying in a plane. You can never reduce to zero the possibility that the plane might fall out of the sky, but your odds are still pretty good. You're going to be fine. Same thing for getting in a car extremely statistically dangerous it's like that meme you ever seen those memes where it's like it'll be something weird and it's like the the odds of being killed by tank kitties it is uh, is slow but never zero yeah yeah (laughs) like that's that's the reality like so it's a natural fear to be concerned about that but generally speaking most of the time people get the help that they need and like a thought and like i i had this thought when i was paranoid about it was well maybe if like i'd feel comfortable if they could get like a brain scan to know for sure but like once once you know how much an mri costs you understand why that's not standard diagnostic procedure (laughs) it's like oh you want your diagnosis to cost an extra five thousand dollars Okay, get in the machine. <laughs> like that would mean no one would get help. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, eating eating better, going outside, hugging a tree, reading a book, talking to friends, exercising, all these things are good for you and they help. But they are not none of it, not a single one of them is is a cure-all. Because another, another misconception people have is that when you start taking medication, that medication is just something that makes you feel nothing. Like, I understand that some people have that experience with medications, but I've never had that experience with medications. Yeah. Like, I've never ta- I haven't yet to take a medication that made me feel like a zombie. Well, 
maybe when I got out of surgery that one time when the doctor gave me fentanyl, that made me, maybe that, maybe that's a zombie like experience. Like, I remember being a little sleepy earlier at first when I first started taking my meds, but now it's like I'm tired because of a bunch of different reasons. I can't argue fit states all because of the meds. It's like, I'm tired. Well, I was just on my feet for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might have a little something to do with it. The first time I took Lexapro, uh, my, my actual reaction was like, oh, Oh, it's it's just like taking an extremely tiny microdose of acid. Because that was kind of how it felt the very first time I took it. Like yeah. not a, not enough of an experience to like trip or see visuals or anything. Just like that very like almost liquid sensation at first. But yeah, no, it doesn't. My medication does not make me numb. I still feel all my feelings. Yeah, it's, it's just, just that, like, yeah, if you don't, they don't, your feelings don't shut you down anymore, though. It used to be if I got something pissed me off, I was angry about it all day. If, oh, yeah, <laughs> no. I still, I, I, it's very easy for me to get fucked up about very tiny things, like sometimes. Um, but medication does help with that. Like, I don't know. I have a lot of trouble. Pro- I actually have a lot of trouble processing emotion. It takes me a really, really long time to process emotion. And I start processing it immediately. So it comes on right away and then it lasts a really long time. It sucks. Um, but uh, yeah, medication doesn't stop you from feeling things. That's, that's not really how it works. It just balances the scale a little bit uh i i was i took adderall before there was a shortage like i got prescribed that now i didn't want to bother with it because if you can get if you get adderall now it's the price is up on it so i was like yeah i haven't noticed that much of a difference really but uh, i remember the first day i i had to the day i had to start taking my medications was also the day where i had to go for orientation to for for my summer practicum for uh, school oh boy and it was just like with Adderall, they start you out on the lowest dosage possible and then work your way up from there. And this is on like, I I started on like 10 milligram tablets once a day, I think it was. And like, I, so I took it and I didn't buy, even though I had a drug uh, book like for school, like just within arm's reach i didn't look into what the onset time or duration time for adderall was so i just took it and then you know got hopped in an uber to go to my orientation and the second i got out of the uber like just i felt how fucking sped up i was and i was like i have to look normal <laughs> oh boy so i was trying to like not look be so rigid and i was like okay what did i used to do when i was when i did coke uh... <laughs> And I couldn't remember that far back. <laughs> How comparable is the sensation to Coke? Um, it's not as fun. Like it's just more utilitarian, and uh, it's not cut with anything because it's a pill made by scientists instead of just powder that has changed hands. Who knows how many times? Ah, uh, yes. Um, I don't know. I never. I I remember the first day I had. I had a. Uh, shits for like a few hours like i just had random like diarrhea i don't remember ever that ever happening on coke which is weird because that's apparently really common i don't know i just never, just never happened to me 
I, I, I take Wilbutrin, um, which doesn't work quite the same way as those, but it's considered also to be like more of a stimulant. Um, and like, it actually warns you that it might cause constipation. So that's interesting. But... Yeah, I just remember sitting like I got a tour of the facility, which took like three minutes, took like three minutes because it was a small hospital. And then I had to sit down in a room with my supervisor and the medical director of the entire hospital. <laughs> and I'm just like worried about what my hands are doing. <laughs> Like how my face looks. Like I, I know I should smile. I was like, don't smile too big. <laughs> you look like, and I was like, how do my eyes look right now? Are they just like bulging out of my head? They probably weren't on technograms, but <laughs> I like it. I like I hadn't taken. And then I realized like I haven't done an upper since I stopped doing cocaine over ten years ago. <laughs> you, you were tweaking. Yeah, I was. I was keyed up pretty good but that it, that was it and then the second it was over i was fine so like just sudden burst fuck yeah and then it never happened again and like i was taking like 20 milligrams toward the end. and then i just like then i oh yeah then i lost my wallet and until i got my id back I, a new id i couldn't get my adderall anymore and then by the time i got my id again there was a shortage oh shit yeah so that it so then i had to like oh man and then you want i i definitely had the shits detoxing from adderall cold turkey Oof. a lot of overlap between the cocaine symptoms too just like get really tired and then <laughs> really restless again and then i think i threw up at work once because of it and it, i just didn't know why i was like oh it's because i haven't been taking my adderall anymore it's like okay i don't need to be taking the I'll, I'll keep it open as an option if i start slipping really bad again like as far as like being able to pay attention but now it's like yeah i think a lot uh the anxiety is what fuels most of the inattentiveness that comes with the adhd so like the fact that i'm just taking my other medication that i actually should absolutely be taking it makes it better but yeah i don't think i didn't stop i mean shit i didn't get diagnosed finally see a shrink and get diagnosed with shit till i was like 31 31 i think 32 and i'm gonna be 34 in a, in a couple of weeks so that's how long i've been a sane person well as sane as i can as i can be but yeah, like I, I, I don't know if it was a just uh, men don't do that thing, or if it was a boomer thing. But like, yeah, my parents never—that was never even discussed. Like me going to any kind of counseling or seeing a doctor about stuff. Like that, nah, it was just oh, he's just being a kid. He's, he's a kid. They freak out about things. Oh, he's a teenager. They freak out about things. Why does John smell like alcohol all the time? Well. Let's see here. Do we have any other thoughts on masculinity and femininity? We haven't really, we haven't really touched much on femininity, but uh, Ooh, I mean, I, I don't... I'm not actually sure what to add to that comment. I, I do feel like, I feel like aggressively, like the major like noise is coming from like the side of like quote unquote masculinity. Like it does feel like there's a lot of like a lot. Like all these people, like Jordan Peterson, 
in, in the in uh, Joe Rogan's kind of like that a little bit with the like, uh, big shut up. Don't he didn't use he didn't use to be so bad. Like there was definitely a period where Joe Rogan was a lot more progressive. Did something about steroids and hunting and eating meat you shot in the woods just turns dudes into fucking like get me a pussy, dude. I I. I blame COVID kind of yeah. like once COVID happened, like everything about like Joe Rogan just got, just got enveloped into the right. Like he's really more of a centrist, but like they pulled him hard in their direction. And, and now he's wrapped up with all these fucking dumbasses. Like he did a, ele- he did a, what was it? Election coverage. He did with like a whole bunch room full of douchebags like Alex Jones and Tim Pool and stuff. Jesus, Joe, you used to be cool. You used to be a meathead who talked about doing DMT with people. Now you're just in off the deep end. Yeah, I've seen early years of his podcast. It's just like buddies hanging out, getting stoned and just bullshitting about things. Now it's like, I am actually a voice of reason in a corrupt world. I'm Joe Rogan. I don't don't know why my Joe Rogan impression is very similar to my Gene Simmons impression, but... Oh, God, Gene Simmons Manosphere podcast. (laughs) That would be funny. I mean, a Gene Simmons Manosphere podcast would be funny. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think he'd be able... It would be just him talking, though. I don't see Gene Simmons having a co-host. You wouldn't want to share with anybody. Do you know what Gene's... You know, oh, my God. You know what Gene Simmons would do? You know what Gene Simmons could do? What? Have you seen any of these fucking terrible red pill Manosphere podcasts where it's basically just men, like, dunking on, like instagram models yeah yeah i've seen those it's like like the thing is is that like this was another thing i meant to mention earlier is that like these guys all all the women these guys are bitching about it's like do you only talk to the same types of women every single day (laughs) like it's it's they're clearly describing a very specific type of woman and i think it's that it's it's I think they're suffering from a lot of selection bias. Because what are they talking about? They're talk. They're ca- They're talking about women who go to clubs, and then they're mad. They d- they want to date women who go to clubs, and then when those women still want to go to clubs, they're like, "Why aren't you my trad wife? <laughs> this is bullshit. You're just going to those clubs to have sex. I know it." <laughs> and it's like, dude. If she likes going to clubs, she probably is going to still like going to clubs. Yeah. This, if you want someone who doesn't go to clubs, go date someone you meet in the library. You, you, <laughs> you dumbass. Get, go to a Comic Con and meet an introverted girl. If you want someone who's not just constantly going to clubs and doing, <laughs> like, stop dating models who are, who are going around. <laughs> Stop dating models and OnlyFans and TikTok people. If you're not, if you don't, like, like you're dating from a very select, specific group of people. It's, you have to understand that women behave different, like regionally and based on their cliques and friend groups and families and religions. There's so many variables. 
and you're just dating these people who make a living by being influencers or at least trying to date them. I can't tell if any, if, if any of these men are actually dating anyone. I mean, Andrew Tate's dating people. Well, that's not true. Andrew Tate is pimping people. That's not, that's what he's doing. Okay. Here's another thing, kids. Okay. You may be, oh, they don't know. It was human trafficking for sure yet. But the thing is, is okay. I'm going to let you in a secret here. If you're in a situation where someone takes your passport and they're like, I'm going to hang on to this for you while you're in the country, you're being human trafficking. You're being human trafficked is that happens to you. Okay. That is one of the first red flags in human trafficking. If you don't have your own passport, you are fucked. Like, Unless the person holding on to your passport is like a school chaperone or your mom. This is probably bad. <laughs> of course, then you also have the Tradcon men. Like your Matt Walsh's and your Ben Shapiro's. And I guess that would be also Jordan Peterson. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of shit. But I don't understand why people want to like romanticize shit from like the twenties through the fifties. Like that was the best era of humanity. Yeah, because <laughs> the reality is all eras of humanity have problems, and you can't just rose tinted glasses them. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I knew tons of like beatnicky hipster chicks who like thought that the like flapper culture was really cool it's like yeah but also women couldn't even have fucking bank accounts back then that's why you put so much pressure was going on you to get married <laughs> so you could have someone support you and why if you weren't married you were out at clubs getting drunk and looking for sugar daddies because it was the bee's knees see yeah. smoking jazz cigarettes or whatever they called <laughs> do you know the original definition of the term hipster actually comes from white people who used to hang out around like black areas yeah, yeah, in like and they they'd wear like zoot suits and like you know smoke reefer and hang out and watch mm. jazz bands and stuff yeah. probably have sex with with like black people you know yeah. that's what hipster used to mean <laughs> hipster has changed a lot I don't know much about what the young people are doing nowadays, but it seems like hipsters' uniform has changed. I don't see a whole lot of just wearing Ray-Ban frames <laughs> as a fashion accessory or like... I feel like hipsters have gotten classier. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot less like... Yeah, they used to just like dress weird and do a bunch of drugs and act like they were different from any other subculture that dresses weird and does a bunch of drugs. <laughs> my my first annoyance when I started seeing hipsters is if, is that they were people who seemed to be like I I felt like I felt like they were imitating the way I was dressing and I was like this is some bullshit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I still remember when hipster became a thing. Like beatnik was a thing in the Kent State English program. Like there are plenty of people doing like beatnik shit, wearing berets, long sweater, like black the black sweaters. The fucking, that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I oh I hated the beatniks. Dude. And I was like, and I was just like at my spiky street punkiest back then. <laughs> Like, so I just, oh man, I hated beatniks. Like, I wouldn't talk to them even. <laughs> like, I was like, fuck, Christ, hey, uh, look at me. I listen to music from the 20s and read and, and beat off the fucking Bukowski. I'm so classy and cool. 
being a drunk, depressed alcoholic. Well, that's not, that's take two. Being a depressed alcoholic is something worthy to be romanticized. Yeah, it was like for really broy reasons. It would like Bukowski's like I also enjoy binge drinking and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> this guy rules. And then like when you get older, you realize he was just a sad, depressed, lonely, drunken lout who had very few friends. <laughs> and his po and his fucking prose ain't that good. I don't understand. We're like I was born of this into this. Oh my gosh, so deep! I'm gonna base my entire personality around this. So I was like. Yeah. At least I was writing my own fucking songs. <laughs> like, I, you could argue I was that deep into punk rock back then, but like, it's shit, dude. I was at least contributing to it. <laughs> Not just flexing in my poetry class at a state college in the Midwest. Like, what the fuck, dude? You ain't the fuck, fucking cafe. Why are you? I believe that Kent State is actually a state university. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably, but like, all right. But then, like, I remember. But then the next year, my sophomore year, I came back, and all the people who were beatniks were wearing like Ray Bans with no lenses in them, and fucking Converse, but also dressed like it was really cold outside, regardless of season. But they weren't wearing the sweaters anymore. Now they were wearing like tweed jackets or something. I, I remember one kind of looked like what Kurt Cobain wore on MTV Unplugged. That seems that seemed to be a popular thing hipsters wore. The beards, I remember being kind of mm -hmm. weirded out that like my peers did, were like growing big burly beards and curly what, mustaches. I was going to say, when did the curly mustaches start? That, about that time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and just like everybody, but they still did beat Nicky shit, like smoke cigarettes, usually clove cigarettes outside of uh, fucking... Uh, like Satterfield or wherever and just like and like they would chain smoke for like they would meet up early to hang out outside the building and chain smoke and then go inside and read their shitty poetry and then they would meet up afterward to talk about what they thought of everyone's poetry and oh my god the smugness because I would get invited to that shit because I thought it was funny like oh let's get the guy with porcupine hair to hang out with us <laughs> I mean, and the jokes on them, I'd usually be fucking trashed by the time that class rolled around or still trashed from the night before in some cases. In many ways, you were the real Bukowski. Yeah, I was the real. Yeah, I was more Bukowski than they would ever be. I was a drunk who hated myself. I refused to admit it. If I was 19, I was probably on Coke too. So I definitely didn't have patience for their shit. But, oh yeah, but yeah, that's just. And then I was like, "Oh man, I should change my fucking major." And then, because <laughs> I didn't want to hang out with people like that anymore, so I added a theater minor just to kind of test the waters. But they're in the fucking theater program too, <laughs> so it's like I can't get away from them. Everything I like is stuff they like. That's what you get like. That's what you. That's what you have to put up with for liking good stuff. Yeah, douchebags. Yeah, who like good stuff. <laughs> I mean, every now and then, I think there was one hipster guy I kind of made friends with. I mean, yeah. They, I mean, because like, they, they weren't all bad. Like, some of them just liked how that style of clothes looked and mm -hmm. also enjoyed listening to obscure records and having people to talk about it with them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the one, the. It's not their fault they stole my Mobius beard. Yeah. 
I mean, none of them were touching punk stuff at the time. Like now, hipsters are into like dyeing their hair green and shit like that. But like, none of them were doing that at the time. So I didn't feel like they were intruding on my turf. Not that I dyed my hair, but I did stuff that people who dye their hair that color would do to their hair. I mean, I mean, I think the emo kids also like bled in the color stuff. Also, I thought. Also, I think some hipsters may have been emo kids after someone gave them antidepressants. Uh, But (laughs) yeah. Yeah, just like but that in like uh I remember like the hipster culture at the time everybody was really into like just being seen looking sad smoking cigarettes in front of places and they would like they wouldn't bring their MacBook with them everywhere, but they would bring like a notebook or something and just sit in a public space and write. And like I, I write too. I have I can count on one hand the amount of times I have written in a public space. And every time I have, it has just been quickly jotting shit down so I don't forget it. <laughs> or when I was poor and didn't have enough money for internet and I had to go somewhere <laughs> for on my online classes. <laughs> now, now just to, just to tie it back in here. So hipsters and like Bukowski fans are themselves reveling in a, yeah, generally it, masculine yeah, stereotypes. Yeah, because like, yeah, fucking Bukowski was a fucking bore, dude. He just like banged hookers and got drunk all the time. And I don't think he actually ever loved anybody. So, like in a way, that is in a way that's chauvinism and a lot mm-hmm. of that fucking bring a man, women like use feminine, use femininity at you as an insult. <laughs> and of course, hipsters also fall into the category of the two acceptable things for men to be, which is either classy guy or I only ever feel horny and angry. Yeah. <laughs> only two acceptable emotions for men to feel. Which ties us now back around to Jordan Peterson. Yeah. The uh, pseudo-intellectual of the <laughs> manosphere. The man who supposedly has all the education and knowledge. The, you know, the only good thing that I think Jordan Peterson has done so far is at least he's normalizing men crying. In public, yeah, he's crying a he lot. He is. He is cle- right here. He is clearly losing his mind now. Unfortunately, the main thing that he chooses to uh, to cry about is, of course, um, trans people. It's the main thing he wants to cry about. So, like some legislation that makes it so trans people get treated like humans makes him cry. Or is- <laughs> I mean, basically, basically, like he just he's just he's just feeding into the like gay agenda propaganda which is of course designed to discredit the left and make and dehumanize homosexuals so that's fucked up oh but jordan peterson like it is clear that toxic masculinity beat the shit out of him yeah (laughs) like i don't necessarily mean his dad beat him but like holy shit is that a man who is in deep denial about his true self? Yeah. And his true self is a very effeminate man. Steven Crowder, I kind of get vibes like that too, because it kind of goes out of his way to do drag like a lot. And it's just like Steven, just be honest with yourself, buddy. Oh yeah, no, totally. <laughs> have you seen the have you seen oh god, speaking of Steven Crowder, who I don't know if he's considered part of the manosphere, but he, he says he all the same shit. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think he's technically counts. He have you have you heard about his divorce? Yeah, and how he said like, oh, if divorce wasn't legal, I wouldn't let us get divorced because oh, fuck you, you're my you're my captives now. 
Yeah, which is probably just honestly a, a virtue signal towards the right. Yeah. Like, because, like, I don't know. He, have you seen the video? Uh, I don't think so, no. So there's just a video of him fighting with his wife, and he's just being an, he's being a, he's getting a piece of shit. I don't know. I've noticed, like, this goes back to what we were talking about in the Oklahoma episodes, but, like, just, places that run mostly red i've noticed like a lot of i've never seen trucks from the 60s and before being used as daily drivers before i moved to oklahoma and i think a lot of that is and there's no way those cars are good anymore but like people but like uh those types of people like they wear it as a badge of pride like I'm a, not only am I a manly man who knows how to fix stuff and likes to work with his hands or my hands feel like bricks or something like that means I'm a man. But also they, they think like, I don't just give up when something clearly isn't working out. It would be a lot less stressful for me and everyone involved around me if I would just stop. But like, yeah, just so many, like I once saw a dude driving a truck clearly from like, at earliest 1960. <laughs> and there was like the interior was pretty much eroded. He was basically sitting on springs. And he was just like, yeah, and that thing, it's just like, I don't give up on nothing. And then there's pop country songs about that same shit. Oh, I'm not surprised. I, yeah. you know, that's a good point. Like not giving up, like that yeah, kind yeah. of stick-to-itiveness, yeah. that is a very like a thing with very heavily associated with men. And let me tell you, as someone who has a hard time quitting things, there's a lot of things in life that sometimes you need to be like, okay, well, let's call it even here. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's back out. Like, you need to know when to call it on some things. Like, you gotta, it's like the song says, you gotta know when to hold them, you gotta know when to fold them. Know when to walk away, know when to run, you get it. Like, I don't know, I used to know the whole hook because I lived in the South for so long. I don't know, but it is, it is a good line because it's true. Like, Sometimes not being able to quit or give up or pivot away from what you're doing when it's not working is can be extremely detrimental to you as a person. And that's not a that's a thing that people don't don't register. Um, because we put a lot of emphasis on not giving up on things. Mm-hmm. So that. I don't know. There's just a lot of deeply problematic stuff there. I have no idea when we started recording, uh, but it is now six o'clock. Um, I want to wrap it up. Actually, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We could do a part two if we feel like it. Would. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Maybe we'll have a masculinity roundtable. Get some other men on here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That'd that could cool. be fun. Yeah. Uh, but so to to sum it up, everybody needs to chill out. If you're a little masculine or a little feminine or whatever combination of traits you have, don't fixate on it. Just focus on how you treat other people and how you respond to problems. And you're going to be okay. Okay? You may not have the strengths or weaknesses that you want. But you've got to work with strengths and weaknesses that you have. Okay, so take a deep breath and say, I am who I am and move on. Stop fixating on this whole men versus women thing. You got to 
get that out of your head. It's just, it's a, it's a mental block. You have a mental block. You know, it's like the chicken thing. You mentioned that you mentioned, you mentioned mating rituals earlier. Mm. And like, I can't remember if you told me this, maybe it was probably you, but like we've accidentally, there's many species of chicken that we've accidentally bred the mating instincts out of them. So they no longer know how to like do like typical chicken courtship. Like, cause some chickens have like, like dances and stuff they do to court each other. But by and large, most factory farm chickens now are just full-on rapists going around raping chickens. And of course, I mean roosters raping chickens. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow, at some point, they lost the ability to understand how to do the mating ritual thing. So, you know, figure it out, people. Don't be... Don't be a cock. Be a good person. All right. Any any final thoughts, guy? Um, not really. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you're listening. Also, feel free to check us out on the YouTube if you're listening on the Spotify. And if you're listening on the YouTube, check me out on the Spotify. All right. Uh, also, you can email the show at rubenuncut at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic day.